Welcome to the brand new Patriots and Pinstripes podcast, the official podcast of the New York Yankees AA affiliate Somerset Patriots. And the Patriots have won it! Somerset! My name is Mark Schwartz. On this show, I'll cover all things Somerset Patriots and New York Yankees, from the organizational structure all the way down to the prospects, the AA Northeast League, and everything in between. A pleasant hello and welcome to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast airing on the Voice of Central Jersey 1450 WCTC as well as on online podcast streaming platforms. Thank you so much for tuning in for this week's episode. My name is Mark Schwartz and I'm joined as always by my co-host Brandon Pelter. Brandon, most important question of the day. How are you doing, my friend? Mark, I'm doing really well. Um, we just came off of an interesting week against the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. I think we learned a lot about the Patriots. We saw some changes for the first time in the roster, and uh, now we look forward to the Hartford Yard Goats, another new uh, competitor this week. Yeah, Somerset is in the midst of tied for their longest road trip of the 2021 season, six in New Hampshire and then six in Hartford. Before we get into the specifics about that Hartford series, a lot to go over, a lot that we've learned about this Somerset Patriots team over the last week when they were spending it up in Manchester, New Hampshire, going up against the Fisher Cats. So let's get right into a recap of this past week. Who wants to play baseball? Let's go! Yes, sir! Woo! So it wasn't the easiest week for the Somerset Patriots against the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. It was the first time that the Patriots were on the road in 2021. They had taken five of six from the Harrisburg Senators to begin their season, of course, at home at the friendly confines of TD Bank Ballpark. But traveling up to Delta Dental Stadium, the Patriots dropped four of six against the Fisher Cats. Some games were close. A couple weren't that close. And Brandon, I guess to start things off, we had approached this past week as not a full litmus test to judge this team for the entire season, but we didn't really know after one week if the Harrisburg Senators were a really good team and the Patriots just were even better, or if Harrisburg was going to be one of the, you know, the bottom tier teams in the Northeast League and and the Patriots kind of feasted on a bottom tier team. I still don't know if we can really fully define what this Somerset Patriots team is, but they certainly uh, looked a little bit different against some stiffer competition. Absolutely, and I think we knew after week one that um, their performance taking five of six, as you mentioned, wasn't perfectly indicative of this is going to be an amazing team or maybe Harrisburg wasn't quite as good, and Harrisburg certainly has continued their struggles in this second week of the season, whereas Somerset fell off a little bit as well, just taking two against the Fisher Cats. But I will say, especially when we look at the middle of the order for the Fisher Cats, Jordan Groshans, Austin Martin, Otto Lopez, Gabriel Moreno, uh, who is a, an absolute Patriots killer and hitting near 500 this season in total, Um, Those are all top 30 prospects for the Toronto Blue Jays. So while it, you know, certainly reflects positively on New Hampshire, a big um, turnaround in their season after just taking one of their first six against the Portland Sea Dogs, I think for Patriots fans, you have to hold that perspective. And also some top pitchers as well. They had some major league experience. Simeon Woods Richardson, who's another um, top prospect for the Blue Jays, started against the Patriots uh, in addition there. So there was a lot of strong uh, prospects and, and strong competition from this Fisher Cat squad. 
Well, let's start with the uh, with the Somerset Patriots side of things, and um, you know, I want to start on the hitting side. And I guess before we get too far into what happened in this specific series, you know, last week's episode began with four straight highlights of Estevan Florial mm-hmm. hitting home runs. Um, the, Florial was with the team to begin this road trip. Um, I believe he went hitless. Was it over his first three games? And then he got the call that he was being transferred up to AAA Scranton Wilkesbury. Uh, when you're looking at this team, Brandon, uh, with the absence now of Estevan Florial, what kind of impact do you think that makes on this club? Oh, it's huge. I mean, he was him along with Oswaldo Cabrera. They were the only two that stayed in those top two spots in the lineup every single day. The other thing is, even from a defensive standpoint, the Patriots have really had to shift things around, whereas Florial was essentially a mainstay out in center field. He was trusted, one of the top defenders in the entire organization. But, you know, leading things off in that top spot for the offense um, certainly proved to be a strong spot for him. I mean, out of his four home runs, three of them were to uh, lead off innings. Um, So he certainly uh, had success in that spot, the extra base hits. He was at the top or uh, right near the top for the entire AA Northeast League, really slapping the ball around and putting it into play. So when you lose a guy like that, um, certainly it's going to take some adjustment from the rest of your offense. And we saw there in the middle game or two of that series, it took some time for them to get a reinforcement or two. So they were playing with a short bench, and especially recall when Diego Castillo had to come out early, Hoy Park came off the bench. That only left them with one player available. Yeah, that was on Friday night, and you know the Patriots did get a couple of reinforcements, which we'll get into, Max McDowell and Max Burt. I also want to talk a little bit more about Florial, but we'll do that towards the end of this week's episode when we take a look at the entirety of the New York Yankees organization. But back to this series between the Patriots and the Fisher Cats. It was a tough start to the series on that Tuesday night. Of course, we were very excited for that ball game. The Fisher Cats got out to an early 5-1 lead going into the seventh inning. Simeon Woods Richardson, who we've already mentioned, uh, certainly a top prospect in the Toronto Blue Jays organization, pitched well. But the Patriots showed resolve, and they came from behind to tie up the ball game with a run in the seventh, three in the eighth, highlighted by Donnie Sands' two-run double. But then it was Gabriel Moreno who had five RBI in that ball game. Overall, Moreno in this week against the Somerset Patriots at the plate, he was nine for nineteen. That's a 474 batting average with one home run and seven runs batted in. Uh, he had a two-run shot earlier in that Tuesday ball game, and then of course the walk-off walk after Greg Weissert was impressive over two and two-thirds innings, left the bases loaded, and Michael Gomez uh, walked Moreno on four pitches. That kind of set the stage, I think, for this week, Brandon. What was your takeaway from that first game? Yeah, I mean, we saw um, what I thought was interesting in that first game was uh, Simeon Woods Richardson was phenomenal on the bump for the Fisher Cats going five innings, allowing just one hit, and it wasn't until that uh, fifth inning that that he gave up the hit, a leadoff homer to Thomas Malone. So the Patriots' offense was really stymied throughout the first half of the ball game, and to show kind of that fight in it, especially after coming off of um, not an easy series against Harrisburg, but not such a competitive series, I guess uh, we can call it, to be able to come back, not that game up at five, and at least push it to the bottom of the ninth. You know, I, I saw really big things from there, just kind of that resolve in the dugout. And then, of course, when you go on to lose it in such a heartbreaking fashion, it's kind of hard to turn things around, a walk-off walk 
pretty frustrating, I think, uh, to say the least, especially when you work all the way back, scoring four runs in the seventh and eighth innings to tie things up. And the Patriots dropped the next ball game of the series as well on Wednesday night, a 7-2 win for New Hampshire. Uh, that one was pretty close for a lot of the game. Matt Crook was on the mound for Somerset, and he had only faced the minimum over his first four innings. The Patriots were leading one to nothing going into the fifth. Fisher Cats got a couple of runs when uh, Crook was chased from the ball game. Somerset tied it up in the sixth inning on a Diego Castillo RBI single, but then it was a Brock Lundquist grand slam in the uh, bottom of the sixth inning. That really opened up this ball game uh, for the Fisher Cats. They won seven to two uh, that night. Carlos Espinal coming out of the bullpen uh, allowed four runs over an inning and a third. Jeffrey Valdez allowed a run over two innings of work. But I want to shift to Thursday night's ball game because that's a little bit more fun to talk about <laughs> <laughs> from a Somerset Patriots perspective. That was a six-one win. Another well-pitched game. Uh, Brandon, you know, Jansen Junk three and a third scoreless. But what an appearance out of the bullpen from J.P. Sears, really, to carry the Patriots that night. Oh, absolutely. He went a uh, uh, long for Patriots pitcher, season-long four and a third for relievers, I should say. Three hits, just one run, seven strikeouts. He was uh, nothing short of a stud coming out of the pen and then just turned things over to Ron Marinaccio, who did what he's really done all season long, an inning and a third of uh, shutout baseball, giving up just a hit to kind of slam the door. In those Patriots, as they've had the lead, um, the bullpen has, has been terrific. I mean, they have continued to be, I think, a pretty bright spot outside of you take away that Brock Lundquist grand slam and, uh, you know, kind of outside of that and a few other moments here and there, the, the bullpen has been a really impressive spot for the Patriots. Well, you know, we're still early in the season and we've talked about this uh, during games before, but there's really no quite defined roles just yet. You know, J.P. Sears, when he's come out of the bullpen, it's been generally in a long relief role. You know, he is the only lefty in this bullpen, so I wonder as the season progresses a little further if he starts to find more of a, you know, defined role. And if there's some other pitchers, like Keegan Curtis has generally come in late in ball games. Greg Weissert has generally come in late ball games, mm -hmm. including a save opportunity on Saturday night. Do you think we're starting to get to that point now that we've seen two weeks out of this team where some roles might be a little bit more defined or are we still in a spot where Julio Mascara feels like he needs to get everyone work consistently before we start finding those defined roles? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, we heard from Steven Ridings before the game that was out on Friday afternoon, and um, and he kind of said as much in the sense that, uh, and Julio, I think, said it as well when he was asked uh, the question that he is still trying to get everybody work. But what Ridings said was those conversations have been there. Uh, within the pitching staff, with you know, with po uh, pitching coach Daniel Moskis, there I think we're starting to see shadows of where things are heading. But at this point, especially coming uh, off of an off year for most, if not all, of these guys in 2020, the arms just need some work, and they need to continue to slowly get back into things. And we see that with the starting pitchers as well. Well, I figure you know it's going to be a new venture for us this year because. You know, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, the emphasis on player development versus the emphasis on winning ball games, And, you know, Riding's mentioned it. And we've heard it from, you know, the Patriots coaching staff as well. Look, they're trying to win every game. Of course, they're going to try to win every game. But I think we've seen from Julio Mascara uh, when it comes to starting pitchers, 
The leash is still pretty short. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had Glenn Otto throw 81 pitches in his first start, like the first Saturday of the season. Aside from that, every other pitcher is really sat between, you know, low 60s to low 70s on the pitch count. Um, and then when it comes to relievers, uh, there's been a couple of different guys that have been used for multiple innings. And at least for me, it's been a little hard to gauge so far exactly how everyone's going to be used. I mean, Weissert was used on Tuesday night for two and two-thirds innings. Um, with Curtis available to potentially be, you know, a closer on that that uh, that first night, and then uh, Weissert was used as in a save situation on su- on Saturday. So, so what have you taken away from that? I think you know what I I honestly think the biggest thing might be is just that while Julio has worked with a lot of these guys, you know, in Charleston a couple years ago, um, and has come up with many of them, he's also trying to get a feel for exactly where they're at and how they spent their 2020. I mean, we've heard of a lot of guys really honing in and um, and focusing and being able to develop a lot in that downtime. We haven't heard as much about guys that maybe didn't make the most of it, but that's going to be quite apparent. And, um, you know, we even saw it with Glenn Otto, Julio clearly pushing the limits a little bit, seeing what he had, and that will certainly influence decisions going forward as well. Neshanik Valley Golf Course is a 27-hole championship course located in Neshanik Station. Hit the links at one of New Jersey's top five ranked public courses that hosted numerous amateur championships and also features a nine-hole academy course, Callaway Golf Performance Center, and the Learning Center. Open all year except New Year's Day and Christmas. Visit NishanikValleyGolf.com for more information or to book your next tee time. At RWJ Barnabas Health, we have a passion for heart health with the largest adult and pediatric cardiac surgery programs in the state, a heart transplant program that's top 15 in the nation, a partnership with Rutgers Health, the latest technology and medical advancements and nationally renowned care for every heart in every one of our communities. Whoever your heart beats for, our hearts beat for you. Let's be healthy together. Visit rwjbh.org heart. The Patriots won on Thursday night, a 6-1 win over the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, their first win on the road. We already mentioned Jansen Junk's strong outing, J.P. Sears' a strong outing offensively for the Patriots. Thomas Malone, uh, a big home run, his second home run of the series, third home run of the season. Malone actually reached base in that ball game three times, had that home run, a couple of runs scored. Oswaldo Cabrera. Had a big night, went two for four with uh, a pair of doubles as well. Diego Castillo had a double late in the ballgame. There was some sloppy pitching, uh, especially from uh, New Hampshire reliever Emerson Jimenez in the uh, top of the eighth inning. I think it was, what, what was it, Brandon? It was three bases loaded wild, wild pitches. pitches. That allowed runs to score. So, you know, Somerset will take the runs where they can get them. Absolutely. Uh, they won that ball game 6-1. to one. The Fisher Cats then responded the next night. That was on a Friday night with a 7-3 win over Somerset. New Hampshire put seven runs on the board on 12 hits. All seven of those runs and 10 of those 12 hits came against Glenn Otto. And Brandon, you know, we were both here for that ball game. And Otto struggled a little bit at the beginning. There was a two-out kind of muscled double from Jordan Groshans in the first inning. We wanted to see him come back out for the sixth. He ran into trouble. Uh, of course, he was the 
Northeast League Pitcher of the Week for the first week of the season, struggled his last time out um, on, on last Friday against New Hampshire. What did you take away from Otto's appearance? Yeah, I think the most frustrating thing really is his final line looks bad, flat out, right? Five and a third, ten hits, seven runs all earned, no walks. He did have eight Ks, which was a bright spot. But actually watching that game, it was a good amount of two-out RBIs. It was dinks and dunks, especially in that sixth inning where the wheels kind of fell off. And then he also turned the uh, game over to the bullpen and didn't get any help there. All inherited runners ended up scoring when he turned things to the bullpen. So I don't think that um, seven earned runs through uh, five and a third is quite indicative of the performance. Certainly plenty to improve on, no doubt about that. It definitely wasn't his best outing by any stretch, but I just don't think that when you look at the line, it tells the full story. Oh, when he left the ball game after five and a third innings, only four runs had been charged against him at the time. He did allow 10 hits, but he left the bases loaded. Steven Ridings came on, allowed one run to score on a bases loaded wild pitch, and then a two-run double for Vinny Capra uh, wound up closing the book on Otto, seven runs. I do want to focus in on one positive. Eight strikeouts, no walks for Otto. Mm-hmm. He's already shown off a um, a nice propensity to strike out batters, uh, both him and Luis Heal, the team leaders respectively, in strikeouts. But of course, the Patriots, they lost that ball game 7-3. to three. But I do want to pick up on another trend that started that night. So this was Friday night, and then it carried over into Saturday, and it was Don't Miss Dermis, <laughs> Dermis Garcia, Friday night, uh, Garcia drew a walk in his first at-bat. He struck out in his second at-bat, but then a sacrifice fly in the sixth inning. That was his first RBI of the season, and then he went yard. A solo home run to lead off the top of the ninth inning over the right center field fence. That was his first home run of the year. Brandon, we had been waiting for it for some time. I know we had spoken to Julio Mascara a little bit to see what was going on with Dermis, and here's what the Patriots manager had to say. And it's probably about, you know, a combination of, you know, it's timing and seeing the pitches, you know, recognizing pitches right away. So it's something that I believe is going to be fine. You know, he, make a, he took a good bats last night, and I think it's, it's something that, you know, he, he'll going to be all right. Dermot's got a lot of power, and he's going to, you know, when he finds his rhythm, when he's fine, where he's sown, and I think it's going to help us. So you heard it from the guy himself, Julio Mascara. Uh, Dermis Garcia going deep on a Friday night. Uh, he had a big night on Saturday night. We'll get to that in a moment. But first, I want to talk, Brandon, about the importance for Dermis Garcia to get hot for this Patriots team, especially knowing now the first night that he went deep was the first night that Somerset did not have Estevan Florial in the lineup. How important is Dermis Garcia moving forward? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, he is really, when you look up and down this Patriots roster, um, one of the only guys with true proven power. Uh, he had 17 home runs in the Florida State League to lead things back in 2019. And so certainly I think that the Patriots are going to have to rely on him in the middle of that order. And I like Julio's mindset and what he had to say. Not everybody's going to start the season hot. There's no reason to hit that panic button. Absolutely. Um, and I also thought it was really interesting and good managing, frankly, to bump him down in the order, take a little bit of pressure off, try and change things up, change his mindset, um, and get him back into power positive light and you know he, he's certainly not crushing it by any stretch yet but it's a big in, uh, improvement just one hit entering the series 
four in the entire series against New Hampshire. So not totally lighting things up, but two of those four were home runs, as you mentioned, in the back-to-back games on the in the latter half of the series. Very positive, and I think he is one of the most important bats for the Patriots offense. So he had that solo home run in the 7-3 loss uh, for the Patriots on Friday night. And then on Saturday night, it was another big day for Dermis. He did go 0-3 in his first three plate appearances but a huge eighth inning for the Patriots that night. That was a back-and-forth game, actually. Before we get into Dermis, I mean, Luis Heal was on the mound for Somerset on Saturday. Uh, he tossed four scoreless innings, allowed four hits, no walks, eight strikeouts, so another strong appearance for Heal. Patriots' bullpen struggled a little bit. Somerset was trailing one to nothing, got a couple of runs in the uh, in the sixth inning, then gave up a couple of runs in the home half of the sixth, so they were trailing three to two. But then in the eighth inning... One of the biggest hits of the season for any Patriot, let alone especially for Dermis Garcia. Oswaldo Cabrera led off that inning with a home run. We'll get to Cabrera and his fine week in a moment. But with a runner at first and two away in that top of the eighth inning, Dermis Garcia left the ballpark. This one is swung on and hit well out towards right center field. Lopez back to the warning track, and there it goes! Dermis Garcia with a two-run shot in the top of the eighth inning. That two-run home run from Dermis Garcia gave the Patriots at the time a 5-3 lead. They would hold on for that win. Back-to-back days with home runs, Brandon, and and not only just home runs. I mean, the one on Friday night came in the ninth inning in a game that was kind of already, you know, decided. But for this one, in a big spot, he was jacked up turning third. He was electric coming uh, into the Patriots' dugout. And, you know, what kind of momentum can a, a week like this, and specifically a couple of days back-to-back for Dermis, provide not only for him, but for this Patriots team moving forward? Oh, it's going to carry, no doubt about it. I mean, you know, we heard from Thomas Malone also uh, Friday before the contest just how big his uh, changed mental approach was to the game coming into this season and how he's found a little bit of that power stroke. I think it's going to be the same thing for, for Dermis Garcia. You get a couple home runs notched under your belt, your confidence is going to skyrocket. He's probably going to start to creep slowly but surely back up in that Patriots order. And those are all going to help his mental side of the game. And so often we hear that's just as, if not more important, than anything else when it comes to baseball. Well, he hit fifth in the order on uh, on Saturday after that uh, that home run Friday night when he was batting sixth. So fifth Friday night and then again fifth on Sunday. So it seems as though uh, Garcia might be uh, working his way back into the heart of this Somerset Patriots lineup. A guy that now finds himself at the top of the Patriots lineup with Estevan Florial playing over in uh, AAA Scranton, Wilkesbury is Oswaldo Cabrera. Uh, he has played in every game so far for the Somerset Patriots. And, you know, despite in that first week, the, the batting average was a little bit on the lower side, but he was still getting on base. But a far more productive week uh, this past week for Cabrera against the uh, the Fisher Cats. One of the lone players that really enjoyed his time up in New Hampshire, Brandon. Uh, a 318 batting average for Cabrera over the last six games in New Hampshire. And, of course, the big takeaway there, reached base in all of those games. And, Brandon, he... Uh, he has an on-base streak of 12 
through the first two weeks of the season. Yeah, he's the lone Patriot to reach every single contest. He also really started to hit. I mean, while he was reaching in that first series against Harrisburg, he ended that hitting just 227. So he was certainly down when it came to reaching on actual hits. But against the uh, Fisher Cats going 7 for 22, good for 318. He had that home run. He had a pair of doubles, the only Patriot that's um, had done that so far this season so his bat is starting to uh, certainly turn around as well and we see him continue to be very versatile across the entire infield along with Hoy Park and Diego Castillo yeah seven for 22 from the plate was Castillo during that series with one home run three RBI also drew four walks an on-base percentage of 423 and whenever you have somebody that's uh, at the top of your lineup getting on base with that much regularity uh, does nothing but help the rest of the lineup. One more thing to bring up about the rest of the Patriots lineup. Two new players that Somerset has welcomed in uh, after their transaction. Zach Zayner was transferred up to AAA Scranton-Wilkes-Barre. Estevan Florial was transferred up to AAA. Uh, from AAA, coming back down to the Patriots, was Max McDowell, a catcher. And then coming up from low A Tampa, he had gotten off to a hot start down in, uh, down in Florida, was Max Burt. So what do you know about the uh, the two new players for the Patriots, Brandon, and, and what can fans expect to see out of them? Well, we'll start in on uh, Max Burt, who I think is is certainly interesting for uh, for Somerset to get so quickly. Um, he played at Northeastern uh, during his time in college, and you know we saw we heard rather so many uh, fireworks coming from Tampa with that early offense in their first series of the season, just knocking the cover off the ball. Burt back in 2019 did play a handful of games. He was in 23 contests in double A playing for Trenton, but also saw time in Charleston and Tampa as well. Um, And he hit just 222 uh, throughout that time, 38 RBI over 106 total games in 2019. So makes sense for for him to uh, get that call. But what I think is interesting, and Mark, we were texting about this a little bit. What was it Saturday <laughs> that uh, Bert spent some time in the Cape Cod Baseball League, where uh, where I saw him for a short time, and he played with the Harwich Mariners. And on that team was Joey Bart, who's in the Bigs, Jonathan India, who spent time in the Bigs, and what I think is the most unique was Kyler Murray. <laughs> That's right, the NFL football player, the quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals, was a two-way uh, or a, a dual athlete, I should say, when he was at uh, Oklahoma. And for a time, baseball was the way that uh, that he was leaning. So he spent his summers playing baseball, and uh, he was a teammate with the newest Somerset Patriot, Max Burt. Well, Murray was the ninth overall draft pick in the 2018 draft out of Oklahoma mm-hmm. uh, by the Oakland Athletics. Uh, in Oklahoma, you know, the numbers never really popped crazy off the page. I mean, his 2018 season, the one that immediately preceded when he was drafted ninth overall, he hit 296 with 10 home runs, 47 RBI, 10 stolen bases, over 51 games, which is good. But, you know, I think with Kyler, it was always kind of the tools. Exactly. Did did you see any of that in in, in the Cape? On the Cape, it really was his sheer speed that blew you away. He stood out with that. Um, And there was just a lot of raw potential for him as a, a true athlete. But he didn't really jump off the page when you just look at his uh, baseball stats. It was it was the potential. Well, I, I'm curious, Brandon, if given the choice, 
if you're a first round draft pick and you've been drafted in baseball mm-hmm. and you know that you're going to have to go through the minors for a couple of seasons, probably not all the time, but but probably before you get up to the majors or you have a chance to turn pro and get selected in the first round as a quarterback in the NFL. I mean, that's a tough decision to make, right? Like, which way would you lean? Well, it's certainly one that I'll never have to worry about. <laughs> no. That's for sure. Um, I think, I don't know. I mean, while you do have to uh, really earn your uh, time up to the bigs and put your time in the minors, he's getting a huge slot bonus, the, yeah. the value there in that uh, early first round. So the money is still there. I would think from a career longevity standpoint, baseball probably has a little bit of an upper hand. But in terms of football, he's a starting quarterback already. The marketability is probably a little higher. Um, and, and just in terms of fans that you know consume the sport football takes the cake here in the united states so i would think that uh that kind of probably uh persuaded him in addition to you know a heisman trophy run yeah well i mean even in baseball you know you have um no salary cap so the uh, the salaries for some of the top players can sometimes increase a little quicker a little bit more um well maybe not quicker because in baseball you have all of these Ar- rules right. of arbitration and you know, service time at the big league level and all that stuff. But anyway, you know, for this Somerset Patriots team, as we reel the conversation back, um, you know, one last thing to take away from this last series uh, against the New Hampshire Fisher Cats before we look ahead to the upcoming series against the Hartford Yard Goats. The Patriots dropped Sunday's game six to nothing against New Hampshire. Simeon Woods Richardson, again, a really strong start, five scoreless innings. This time around, the Patriots lineup struggled only four hits. It was their fewest amount of hits um, of the season uh, in a single game. So, Brandon, looking at this series as its entirety, what's a big takeaway for you and something that you're really keying in on as Somerset has a day off on Monday and then gets ready for a brand new series on Tuesday? Well, I'd like to see how this lineup continues to shape up and respond with the loss of uh, Floreal, especially there at the top. Can Dermis Garcia continue um, to make positive strides? Can can a guy like Thomas Malone, who we really from the start haven't exactly uh, put under the spotlight, but he's proven to be a really big asset to this Patriots team, can he stay hot? Because he's uh, already nearing his career high in home run production for a season. And we're only two weeks into things. So was it a little, I don't want to call it a fluke, but did he just get a little bit of a power stroke? And that led the way. I mean, same thing with with Estevan Floreal, too, when he was here. His four home runs was half of his 2019 total. And that was only a week and a half in. So was that power stroke just, you know, maybe the adrenaline's pumping a little more in these first couple games after being off for so long? Or does he truly have a power stroke now? I mean, is that something that he's really developed? I think um, those those two are really something to, to keep an eye on. And also, we talked about Oswaldo Cabrera stepping things up at the top of the order. Can he continue to really lead that way? Well, we just heard from Somerset Patriots manager Julio Mascara on what the uh, projected probables are going to be for Somerset this upcoming series. Matt Crook will go for the Patriots, who, you know, has been touched up in the last inning of each of his first two outings. Tough, but he's gotten off to strong starts. Uh, he gets the ball on Tuesday. Jansen Junk on Wednesday. Glenado Thursday. Luis Heel makes his fourth start of the season on Friday. Sean Semples, the starter, on Saturday. And then rounding it back on Sunday with these six-game sets, Matt Crook will make his second start 
of the series. Of course, that's all subject to change, but that's the probables that we have right now for the Patriots. We'll step aside here when we come back. We'll go a little bit deeper into Somerset's next opponent for the first time in 2021. They will take on the Hartford Yard Goats. We preview that series coming up next. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is brought to you by TD Bank. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, we've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank, N.A. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is brought to you by Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. In uncertain times, you need someone who has your back. That's why Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey makes sure their health plans have all the benefits you need. Telemedicine, mental health services, and more. Because everyone should feel like someone has their back. Welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Mark Schwartz alongside Brandon Pelter. We're now getting ready for the new Somerset Patriots opponent as they get set to open up a six-game series in Central Connecticut against the Hartford Yard Goats. First time that Somerset will go up against Hartford, uh, but there is a bit of a history kind of with the Yard Goats organization and the Somerset Patriots. The Yard Goats, of course, used to play uh, in central Connecticut, a little bit further down I-91 in New Britain, hard-hitting New Britain. They were the New Britain Rodcats. They are the AA affiliate of the Colorado Rockies, uh, but they were the Rockcats all the way up until 2015. That is when they left New Britain, Connecticut, and they moved up to Hartford to open up a brand new stadium, Dunkin' Donuts Park, which is a beautiful facility. Unfortunately for the Yard Goats, uh, Dunkin' Donuts Park was actually delayed a bit in construction. It wasn't ready to go in 2016, so the Yard Goats basically played as a bit of like a Road Warriors kind of team for that first season. Meanwhile, New Britain Stadium was then occupied by the New Britain Bees, who started their play in 2016 in the Atlantic League. So Somerset uh, was traveling over to play in New Britain Stadium against the Bees starting in 2016. So Hartford played on the road in 2016, and then they finally opened up their fresh new ballpark in 2017 in downtown Hartford, and that ballpark is an absolute gem. Everyone around the Northeast League uh, who has been there has said nothing but wonderful things, and the Patriots are heading there to open up a six-game series beginning this coming Tuesday night. Brandon, you know, there's a lot to go over with this Hartford team. I'm curious if you've heard anything about Dunkin' Donuts Park before we get into the specifics about the players. Yeah, so I actually had a chance to visit once uh, a couple summers ago. I'll uh, start with this. They are named the Yard Goats, and they do, in fact, out in center field as a part of the concourse, do have some goats that are uh, caged in, and you can go by, and I'm pretty sure you can pet them and feed them a little Wait, bit. Wait, you could buy the, the goats? No, you can't buy them. You just said you could you buy the... You can pet them. You could pet the goats. You can pet the goats. I was going to say, I, would, see, I don't think they would have goats for, for sale. <laughs> they are not for sale. <laughs> they are not for sale. You can pet the goats and see them out in center field. They have a, an unbelievably uh, big scoreboard jumbotron. 
out in uh, left field that's high def it's pretty beautiful hopefully we can get the likes of uh, something similar here in a, a couple of years at td bank ballpark but um, all in all it's it's a beautiful field no doubt yeah everyone said nothing but just really really wonderful things about that ballpark and that's where the patriots will play for their next six games all right brandon now let's look at this hartford yard goats team itself you know as a club going into this series looking at the standings in the northeast division of the double a northeast league the patriots are currently tied for first place uh, with the portland sea dogs both teams are seven and five but the yard goats are right behind them they're five and seven they had a tough start to the season uh, against the richmond flying squirrels but hartford's won three in a row against first place portland and there's some interesting names to watch on this yard goats team absolutely you mentioned they struggled against richmond similar to new hampshire they won opening night that first game and then they lost five straight um and so uh, then against the sea dogs they took game one dropped the uh, middle two and now have won three to end that series they do have some uh, strong names that definitely jump off the page as a team they lead uh the uh, all of double a with 27 doubles um, so they've uh, had some pop in the bats there. But we'll start actually with a pitcher, Ryan Rollison, a lefty, the third-ranked prospect for the Colorado Rockies, um, according to Baseball America. He has the best curveball in the Rockies system. Again, that's according to Baseball America. It was a 2018 first-round pick in 2020, spent some time in instructional ball, but it was also at the alt site. And so far, through three games started, he's 2-1. and one. Those two wins tied for the most in the Northeast League. A 3.07 ERA and through 14 and two-thirds mark, 20 strikeouts. The whip is .89. He has been really strong. He's got a really good command of really all of his pitches. And he's just a, a smart pitcher will use his stuff he, he kind of knows how to pitch he's got a fastball slider changeup, and a curveball as well oh this is the highest level of baseball for Rollison so far in 2019 uh, 22 starts for high a Lancaster um, out in the California League had a 4.87 ERA uh, with uh, with Lancaster out there in terms of when the Patriots will see Ryan Rollison we don't quite have a uh, a schedule yet on on probables. The last time that Rollison pitched, he went five and two thirds innings against the Portland Sea Dogs on Saturday night. Uh, so that was the same night that Luis Heel pitched for the Patriots. So I believe that Heel is. I'm, I just mentioned it earlier in the podcast. Uh, Heel is going on Game Four for the Patriots Friday night. So how about that? A Friday night matchup in Hartford, Connecticut, between Luis Heel. And uh, Ryan Rollison is what we're projecting, not necessarily accurate, but that should be a fun one. Absolutely. It should be um, some of the top, two of the top pitchers for both of the organizations and guys that uh, that can have some plus pitches, still working on some things. It should be interesting. And hopefully, maybe, possibly, we can get a little longer leash on Luis Heal, who's only pitched a high of 70 through his three starts this season. Well, Hartford, as a club, has a combined 5.55 earned run average, uh, so not exactly where uh, you'd like to see that. There was a couple of really standout games from Portland over this last week where they put up a, a big run total, but you know, still, of course, Rollison is a part of that and, and certainly something to watch out for. Yeah, no doubt. So we'll look at the position player side now, and there's, there's a couple of guys um, for Hartford that I know that you've keyed in on as well, Brandon. Um, you know, let's start with one of the top prospects uh, for the Colorado Rockies. Um, he's notable 
because he was recently acquired in a trade by the Colorado Rockies, a trade that um, got a lot of Rockies fans really upset when when Colorado sent uh, their star third baseman, Nolan Arenado, over to the St. Louis Cardinals organization, and then um, the Rockies got a slew of prospects back. And one of those that they got back was Eliuris Montero. Yes, Montero has a lot of potential coming off of a 2019 that was kind of riddled with some injuries. Uh, the most notable was a broken left hame bone, a bone in the hand that really controls kind of like a lot of that dexterity has to do with carpal tunnel in there. Tim Tebow actually uh, broke his hame bone a couple years ago when he was playing with the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. But so far he leads the league with 15 RBI. Is hitting a very respectable 302. Was a Midwest League MVP back in uh, 2018, and before the trade, when he was still with the St. Louis Cardinals, spent uh, the 2020 in their alt site. He's very aggressive at the plate, and he's got a pretty strong arm at third base. Still some questions. The jury's still out on his footwork and true fielding ability, uh, but there is a lot of excitement around Montero. Well, Baseball America has him as number eight prospect for Colorado Rockies. He was number 11 in 2020 in the Cardinals organization before getting traded over. Um, Also in that Cardinals organization in 2019, Baseball America had him as the best rated hitter for average. Uh, and then a, a solid infield arm as well. So we'll we'll be on the lookout for Montero. Uh, so far this season for the Yard Goats, uh, Montero at the plate. Let's see. He has hit 302 over 12 games. He's got three home runs, and he quite easily leads this club. He's got 15 RBI on the season. Next closest player um, on this Yard Goats team in terms of runs batted in, uh, you have to look at uh, Sean Bouchard. A ninth-round draft pick by the Rockies. He's got six. So Montero has nine more runs batted in than the next closest player on this uh, on this Yard Goats team, at least from a position player standpoint. Another guy, Brandon, that you're looking out for, Jamison Hanna, the outfielder. That's right. Yeah, Hanna, another acquisition via a trade, November 25th, 2020. They got him from a trade in the uh, Reds, and it was actually the second time in his young career that Hanna had been traded. In 2018, he was drafted by the Oakland Athletics in the second round, the 50th overall pick, then made his way over to the Reds. Now he finds himself with the Rockies organization, a strong outfielder. His uh, speed really plays, and they project him to potentially be a center fielder. Doesn't quite have a lot of pop in the bat in terms of home run power, but they see him more as a gap-to-gap kind of guy. And as I mentioned, a lot of speed. We haven't quite seen that yet on the base pad, so in his professional career, uh, but he certainly has the potential to do so. Hitting 375 so far. He's only played in a couple of games. Uh, for the Yard Goats, but certainly somebody to look out for. Somerset and Hartford opening up a six-game series uh, battle of Northeast Division opponents. The Patriots just two games up on Hartford for first place in the Northeast Division. So certainly an exciting series to get going on Tuesday night. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, they've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank NA. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. 
In uncertain times, you need someone who has your back. That's why Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey Health Plans have the benefits you need. Telemedicine, so you can see a doctor anytime, anywhere. Mental health professionals available 24-7. Virtual ID cards and more on your phone. We'll help you find the plan that covers it all. Because everyone should feel like someone has their back. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey is here when you need us most. Now and always. Welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Of course, uh, not only do we always take a look at an in-depth look at the Somerset Patriots, but we also like to keep tabs on the rest of the New York Yankees organization. Let's check in with all three other affiliates to see how they fared over the last week. With this look at the Tampa Tarpons, I'm Joe Vasile. After a great first week of the season, Tampa took on the Lakeland Flying Tigers in their first road series of the season. And... Coming into this game on Sunday, a chance to win the series. The offense hasn't been quite as good for Tampa, just hitting 202 as a team. But Max Burt was tremendous this week for the Tarpons, hitting 417 across three games and doing so well that he earned himself a promotion all the way up to double-A Somerset. After today's 1 p.m. first pitch with the Lakeland Flying Tigers, the Tarpons are off on Monday before starting a new series this week with the Fort Myers Mighty Muscles. With this look at the Tampa Tarpons, I'm Joe Basile. Hi everyone, this is Rob Adams, and this is Renegades Recap. The Renegades opened the gates to Dutchess Stadium on Tuesday night, but the visiting Aberdeen Ironbirds spoiled the welcome home party. 4-0. Starting pitcher Ken Waldachuk was a star for the Gades, striking out 10 in three and a third innings of work. The Gades needed to come back on Wednesday night to win 4-3. Ezekiel Duran tied the game in the eighth, and Isaiah Pastor singled home the game winner in the tenth. Fly ball to right, charging in Stowers. It's a long run, it drops in. Nelson from third, he touches home. The lights flicker and the Renegades walk it off. They win 4-3. The seesaw continued on Thursday as Aberdeen won 9-5. Oswald Peraza had homered both Wednesday and Thursday, but he didn't start on Friday. But he hit in the seventh with the Gades down 4-3. Runner dancing off first. They play him the pull and he hits a bomb to deep left. Turning around is Stowers. It is long gone. Peraza got another chance in the eighth. And another drive to left center field. They're turning and watching. It is gone. The Renegades went on to win 9-4. Hudson Valley lost on Saturday night 8-1. But that one, Oswald Peraza. A swing and a high drive to center. Tracking it back is Zach Watson. Guess what? It's gone! Peraza has five home runs and eight RBIs on the homestand. The two teams finish up today at 435. That's your Renegades recap. I'm Rob Adams. With this look at the Scranton-Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders, I'm Adam Marco. Solid first week at PNC Field. The Rail Riders opened the season on the road May 4th in Syracuse and opened their home park on May 11th for the first time this year. 6-0 win over their rivals, the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. Rail Riders dropped the second game, won back-to-back games on Thursday and Friday before falling last night 5-4. The Rail Riders' bullpen has been lights out during this homestand allowing just three runs in the last 25 and a third innings pitched. Two-run homer in the top of the ninth inning on Wednesday and one run allowed in the top of the ninth inning in Friday night's victory. Reliever Nick Nelson has dealt three and two-thirds scoreless of that run, 
and even he himself thoroughly impressed with how the bullpen has fared during the last week. It's this is unbelievable. Like, I mean, all the guys are like awesome. And then on top of that, like we're all doing really good. You know what I'm saying? So it's just, it's an awesome thing to be a part of and seeing everybody going out there and just, you know, doing their thing. Um, and so, you know, once somebody goes out the game, it's the next guy's up and he's doing the same thing. So it's, it's awesome to be a part of and watch, you know, from, I guess, like a fan perspective, it's, 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 it's fun to watch. Is there like a, passing of the torch mentality kind of thing going on right now um not really i think everybody's just you know uh waiting for the call and then when it's you know when it's one of us then just go out there and and do what we've been doing for you know the past years so of note on the offensive side estevan florial promoted on friday from somerset tripled in his second ever triple a at bat so a lot going on with those other New York Yankees affiliates. Uh, of course, one thing I do want to note, um, Estevan Florial, who you know we've talked about ad nauseum here on this broadcast and with the Somerset Patriots, uh, he is now with the AAA Scranton-Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders. He was the starting center fielder, batted leadoff uh, both on Saturday and on Sunday. Brandon, there have been some rumblings that came out. Uh, some people have been asking questions in terms of the big league level of whether or not Estevan Florial might make his way up. I know Aaron Hicks has an injury. Uh, do you see any avenue for Estevan Florial to get up to the major leagues, not only this season, but potentially over the next couple of weeks? There's certainly potential. I mean, especially when you look at uh, some of the injuries that the Yankees have had and really in years past, how frequently Yankees, especially outfielders, have gotten hurt. There's always that potential, and he's, you know, he's knocking on the door right now, but I think the focus really has to be can he sustain success at the AAA level. He had a really good first week here in Somerset, then fell off a little bit his last three games before getting called up, but but certainly showed the Yankees organization enough to uh, to call him up to AAA. So I think that's more the key is sustained success at the AAA level before maybe looking forward to that jump to the bigs because we know it's coming, whether it's in two weeks or maybe a year from now, the signs are there, the tools are there from Estevan Florial. Uh, so I, I think, again, let's have him prove it over a little bit more long term. Well, we'll keep our eyes on Florial's progression in scranton Wilkesbury, and, of course, the second that he gets sent up to the Bronx, um, we will be all over that. It'll be a very exciting moment for all of us with the Somerset Patriots organization. So that'll do it for us for uh, today's episode of the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast. Again, we very much appreciate everyone who has tuned in. We'll keep pumping out these episodes every Monday, all season long. The Patriots are back in action this Tuesday, the 18th, to open up, of course, a six-game series against the Hartford Yard Goats, and then they return home starting on May 25th for a 12-game homestand, six against the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, and six more against the Reading Fighting Phils. In case you want tickets to any of those games, they are available. They are on sale right now. Go to SomersetPatriots.com to make sure that you get your tickets uh, to watch the newest AA affiliate of the New York Yankees play. For Brandon Pelter, my name is Mark Schwartz. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. Enjoy this upcoming week of Somerset Patriots baseball, and have a pleasant week, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast. Each episode is aired on the Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC, and WCTCAM.com, with online versions made available on podcast streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Please consider giving us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the show.
The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is written, hosted, and edited by me, Mark Schwartz. It is produced by Jack Myatt, Ginny Ott, and the entire team at 1450 WCTC. 